0: Turn to Jeremiah chapter 6. Y'all going to get a different sermon than the early service. I have struggled with this because I didn't feel like this was the direction to go. I felt like it was the direction to go, but I have a word that is a burden in my heart this morning. I know that we have been encouraged this morning um, by the songs, and I'm thankful for the, the valleys. I'm thankful for the God of the valleys and the God of the mountains. I'm thankful for the way that he makes but as I was praying this morning, the Lord put this word in my heart. I don't know who this is for. Um, I believe it is for more than one person. I believe it is a, it's a word that when God puts a word in your heart, you have no choice but to preach it. And so even though I was standing there saying, Lord, I don't, I don't want to go this direction. I want to go back. To, I want to start into Acts. And we'll get to Acts eventually. Trust me. We're, we're going to work through the book of Acts, uh, looking at the church in action. But for whatever reason, this is our text this morning. It is a, it is a heavy burden on my heart. Um, when I preach this this morning, please do not think, oh, he must know of someone um, that he's seen somebody doing something and he's, he's taking it out on them. Um, I don't take pot shots from the pulpit. The problem with that is is that usually when you start randomly shooting, innocent bystanders get hit, and the people you're talking about have no clue you're talking about them. I'm like the mailman, I don't address the letters, I just deliver them if God speaks to you this morning. But here's what I want to ask you to do, will you do this with me, will you say this, you know the verse from the Psalms, I will hear what the Lord will say. Will you pray that, will you say that in your heart this morning, whatever God says to you this morning, uh, you may not be as far along as this passage talks about, you may just be at the very beginning of it. I often find myself at the beginning of this passage, the beginning of this process that Jeremiah describes here but I believe that there's those this morning whether you're here in this building or whether you're watching or whether you will watch in the future that this passage is for and this burden in my heart this morning brings me to the place of where Jeremiah, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet and I see him standing in the streets of Jerusalem trying to deliver this message trying to warn those who are headed toward this place that he is going to describe. And I don't know this morning, it may be an adult, it may be one of our students, but in our relationship with God, it is possible for us to come to a place where we are useless, where we are rejected in our value and in our usefulness for what God saved us to be. You do know that God did not save us just to go to heaven. You know, we understand that, right? Now we're going to, how, many of, how many of you are glad you're going to heaven because you're saved? Amen. Amen. But that's not why God saved us. God left us here on this earth to bring glory to Him. And it is possible for us to come to a place, as the people of God do in this chapter, where God says, you are reprobate silver. Now we think of the word reprobate as we see someone that's just a degenerate, they're living out in terrible sin, and we say, oh, look at that old reprobate. But the word reprobate means refuse. It's silver, in this case, that has been tried, and instead of being of great value and a great treasure, it is to be rejected. What a tragedy it would be for any of us to reach that place where God would say, instead of this that I have for you, instead of this that I want to do through you, instead of this that I want to do in you, you're not of use. Follow with me in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 26. O daughter of my people, gird thee with sackcloth, And wallow thyself in ashes. Make thee mourning as for an only son. Most bitter lamentation, for the spoiler shall suddenly come upon us. I have set thee for a tower and a fortress among my people, that thou mayest know and try their way. They are all grievous revolters, walking with slanders. They are brass and iron. They are all corruptors. The bellows are burned. The lead is consumed to the fire. The founder melteth in vain, for the wicked will not be plucked away. Reprobate silver shall men call them, because the Lord has rejected them. God says, I have brought purging to their life. I have brought the, the refining fire to their life And the impurities will not be purged out. And so because of that, I have to set them aside because they are useless. How do you come to a place where it would be said of you or I that what God intended for us, we are useless? Most of us would say, we'll never reach that point. Preacher, we're here on Sunday morning. We're here worshiping the Lord. We're here lifting our hands in praise. We're reading the word. We're hearing the word preached. This would never be us. I will promise you that there were those in this chapter, in this instance that he is talking about that would have said the exact same things. They had been to the tabernacle. They had been to the temple with worship. They had been to the temple with sacrifices. They They were those who named the name of God. And yet God says about them, they are worthless. They are of no value to me. I want to be of value to my family. I want to be of value to our church. I want to be a value to my community, but above all else, I want to be of value to God. That's what I was created for. That is what I am redeemed for. How do you get to this place? As we talk about this this morning, and I just want to just walk through part of this chapter, I, I want you to see, first of all, the condemnation to judgment. God says, I'm going to pour out judgment. I am bringing in a people. I am bringing in, we know that this is the Babylonians who are coming in to, to siege, besiege Jerusalem. And some terrible things are going to take place. Look in verse 9. Thus saith the Lord of hosts they shall thoroughly glean the remnant of Israel as a vine turn back thine hand as a grape gatherer into the baskets He's going to go on and he's saying I am I am weary of holding it in God in his patience and mercy has held back for as long as he can Now please hear me carefully As we think about this chapter, if you are thinking, oh, he's clearly talking about someone who has gotten very far away from God, but the person who has gotten the farthest away from God started by getting a short way from God. The prodigal son, before he ever got in the hog pen, took the first step out the door. But if we don't take that first step out the door, we'll never reach the hog pen. We'll never reach that far country. God says, I'm going to pour out my judgment. What what are the indications? And as we look at this this morning, I'm examining my heart. I want to ask you to do the same thing. I want you to remember that phrase. I will hear what the Lord will say. I will hear what the Lord will say because I I know this. I'm not not pessimistic. I'm I'm realistic. Somebody said, you know, do you see the glass half full or half empty? And I said, yes, it's both. I'm, I'm pretty realistic about things. And I know that anytime a sermon like this is preached, any time admonition is given, any time, as Jeremiah experienced, nearly three dozen times or more in the book of Jeremiah, he will warn the people and they will not heed what he has to say. Now, it is really hard to know that you're going to preach a message that there are those who are not going to listen to at all. But the faithfulness is in the proclamation and in the understanding that there are those who will hear what the Word will say. How do we identify? What are these things that we need to be careful and watch for? First of all, we watch for our response to the Scriptures. Our response to the Word of God. Notice in verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, Their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Their ear is closed. Their ear is not open. I can say it, but they won't listen. And he says, look at this. He says, they cannot hearken. There's a a change in their aptitude for the word of God. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't difficult things in the Scriptures that we seek to understand, but the Holy Spirit is our teacher, and He gives us understanding. And they simply, He said, I can can say things, and they hear what I'm saying, but they don't hear what I'm saying. How many wives can acknowledge that there's a difference between listening and hearing? (laughs) And all the husbands say, oh me. We know that there's a difference. And he says, "Look, they can't hearken. They can't even hear. Their aptitude for the word of God has changed." Notice that he says, "The word unto them is a reproach." Their attitude toward the word of God has changed. What's your attitude toward Scripture, toward the word of God? Is reading the scriptures a drudgery? Is it simply your duty, or is it a delight to your heart? To get to be in the Word of God. When you hear the Word and it steps on your toes. You see, it's nice to read the the blessedness and the chapters and the verses that speak to us and bless us, but what happens when God's Word corrects us? I was speaking with someone recently, and they know the Word of God, they have heard the Word of God. They know the truth. But every time they hear the word, every time they hear a word of admonition, a word, their their eyes close, their ears close. They will not receive what the word will say. What a dangerous place to be in. What a terrible place to be in. That they will not listen. And I can stand there and I can see Jeremiah standing before these people with tears flowing down his face Not because he wants them to listen to him, but because he knows what's coming if they don't change. And I tell you this morning that if your heart, if in your heart you begin to feel that toward the word of God and God's word that speaks and corrects, I see where you're headed. I know where you're headed. It's not because I'm all wise. It's because I know what the word of God says. And I've lived long enough to see what happens when we don't listen to the correction of God's word. He says they won't listen. The word of God is unto them a reproach. When the word of God, when we reach the point in our Christian life where we are embarrassed by the word of God, what is it that God's word teaches that you want to sort of back away from? You don't, want, you don't want to make a big deal about because it might embarrass. He says, the word has become a reproach to them. Look at this. They have no delight into it. They once had an appetite for God's word, and they no longer have that appetite. Students, let me ask you. Several months ago, you experienced a time of revival last end of last summer as camp, and you had a hunger for the word of God. Do you still have that same hunger for the word of God that you did? If you don't, Now, pardon me, my spiritual gift of a drippy nose is kicking in. If you don't, I'm not here to bash you. I'm here to admonish you lovingly. Please recognize that as an indication. Adults, if there was a time when you had a hunger for the Word of God and you had an appetite for it, but now you find no delight in the Word of God, Maybe you read just because you have to. Maybe you come to church just because you know that's what you're supposed to do. Maybe you don't have that same... There's a difference between what we do and what we delight in. Isn't there? There are things that we do just because we have to do them. And then there's other things that we enjoy doing and we just can't wait to do. And we have a delight for it. And he says, they don't delight in my word. I want to be like the man in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits at the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in what? In the law of God, in the word of God. So watch for your response to the scriptures, but then notice their response to sin. Verse 13, From the least of them unto the greatest of them, every one is given to covetousness, and from the prophet even unto the priest, every one deals falsely no one is exempt from this warning this morning no one is exempt and I would say to those of us who are church members and those of us who are pastors on the staff that we need to guard carefully the first warning signs these priests and these these leaders were these religious leaders were going about their responsibility and going about their duty but they've lost that fervor they've lost that passion in their heart and the minute that begins to wane, the minute that begins to dim, that light begins to dim, the, the, the fire of God begins to go out in our hearts. That's the minute we need to be careful and say, God, God, bring me back to where I need to be. Notice that they are covetousness. They are self-centered. They are superficial. They're superficial. They have healed also, verse 14, the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. They don't recognize what the real problem is. Don't we do that? We run around trying to fix everything that's not wrong when the root of the problem is a spiritual problem. I grow so weary of people saying, oh, you're just trying to spiritualize everything. And I want to say, why are you trying to physicalize everything? when there is a spiritual issue, and they're saying, look, there's no problem, there's no issue. He said, you've treated the, the hurt of the daughter, the breach. They think they've got a breach coming, that they're going to breach the walls. That was the problem when the enemy came, and he said, look, there's a spiritual breach. This is happening because you've turned your back from God, and the Word of God no longer speaks to you, and you no longer have this heart for the Word of God. I will hear what the Word of God will say. God, what are you saying to me this morning? What are you saying to me? He said they've covered it up. They've they've dealt with the surface issues. Isn't that what we do? We know where our heart is, and yet we walk in the door with a smile on our face. I was sharing with someone this morning. A number of years ago, we were in revival. My dad was preaching a revival in another state. I won't name the state, give some of the details away, but we walked in. We had known the pastor and his wife for, for many, many years, and uh, they walked in, and they were a little late for the service that night, and she had a brace on her foot, and she hadn't had the brace on her foot, and so my mom called her name, and she said, you know, if you wouldn't kick your husband, you wouldn't have to get braces on your legs, and she didn't laugh. What had happened is that afternoon, she and the pastor, her husband, had had a little tiff and she got exasperated with him and hauled off and kicked him and broke her foot. And I thought, I wonder, that was pretty obvious. I mean, that's a pretty good sign you need revival, isn't it? When the pastor's wife kicks the pastor and breaks her foot. I thought about how obvious that was when she walked in and we saw that. And I thought about how many other times... Have people walked into church and they've just come through similar situations or they've gone, they've they've blown up at the kids or they've they've cussed somebody out driving on their way to church. Isn't that a great thing? And they walk in the door as if nothing's, and they don't have a brace to show, but if you could see spiritually, there would be a brace on their broken spiritual foot. He said, they cover it up. We make out like everything's just normal and everything's fine when there's a deep-rooted spiritual problem in our heart. Let me tell you, I don't care what you look like on Sunday when you come in. I don't care how many verses of Scripture you can post on social media. I don't care about how good you can sound to your neighbors or how your vocabulary can change when the pastor comes in the room. What matters is your heart. God said, man looks on the outward appearance, but I look on the heart. And so I say to us this morning, we need to listen to what God is saying to us about where we are. Notice also that they are in relation to sin. They're shameless. They have reached the point they cannot even blush. Look in verse verse 15. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No. They were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Do you know that a blush is an it's an instinctive impulse that you can't control? It's, a, it's just an instinctive reaction to something that embarrasses and they had reached the point to where they had rationalized their sin so much they had excused their sin they had passed the blame of their sin and their spiritual condition this is where we are they had passed that so much that they could not even blush or be ashamed now I'm not talking about the wicked in this world that in our day and time can openly commit and flaunt sin and have no shame. I'm talking about the people of God who feel no conviction at all about where they are spiritually. The moment that I can read a passage like this and hear the warning of this passage and it not speak to my heart is the minute that I have reached the point that I am reprobate silver. I am useless. I am nowhere near being what God wants me to be and saved me to be that's the condition of the people the condition of Judah but notice the call of Jehovah he's promising he said look there's judgment coming but notice in verse 16 thus saith the Lord stand in the ways in other words stop the direction you're going you're going the wrong way stop it's not progress if you're going in the wrong way and see pay attention to what's going on become aware of your surroundings and ask for the old paths where is the good way and walk therein and you shall find rest for your souls do you get what is happening here at the very moment that God has prophesied and promised that he will pour out judgment that they have reached the end that this is going to happen. And let me tell you, I hope this morning that none of us, that none of us are at that point where if we take one more step, the consequences are going to come. I fear that there are. I know of some, some situations, not in our church, but other situations where I fear, I fear if they don't listen, to the Holy Spirit of God drawing them and pulling them I fear for what it's going to take for God to get their attention I don't know what will happen and because it's those that I care about and those that I love I hope that they will listen I hope that they will heed not because it's what I want them to do or what I hope for them it's because it's, what's, it's God's way and they're about to experience Worst things that they've experienced if they won't listen. And yet at this last moment, what does God say to Israel? If you'll turn, I'll bless you and I'll return you to where you ought to be. God's mercy, listen to me, God's mercy doesn't get gradually less and less up until the time of judgment. God's mercy gets stronger and stronger up until the very last moment before judgment falls. And in this last moment, if they would have heeded, if they would have listened, no wonder, y'all bear with me, no wonder Jeremiah wept. No wonder Jeremiah cried. Because he sees what's about to happen and he sees it coming and he knows if they will repent in turn, if they will become aware of it, that God will in his mercy, he will hear and he will restore. But notice the last part of this verse. God help us not to say this but they said the end of verse 16 we will not walk therein God says walk in these ways that you're supposed to walk in and you'll find rest to your soul I see those who have no peace and no rest why because they have gotten out of the way Book of Proverbs says the way of the transgressor is hard. And I fear for those who are walking in the ways of the transgressors. And they are walking in a hard way. And I hear God speaking to them saying if you'll just turn, stop what you're doing, pay attention to where you are and turn back to the way you're supposed to turn and you'll find rest. The mercy of God is extended they said we're not going to walk in there we're not going to do it this morning i don't know where you are some of you may be so you're as close to god as you've ever been and this is not a warning for this moment this is a warning for potential moments and I suspect nearly every one of us is at some point along this way. Maybe we're just first noticing the first issue. Maybe the check engine light has just come on and it's that warning about our attitude toward the Word of God. We don't have the delight we once had. Maybe we're a little further along and we not only don't delight in it, we just can't even hear it anymore. Maybe we're further along and we're over in the area of sin and we've, we've just covered it up and maybe we've reached the point we can't even blush about it anymore. There's no shame about it. Where we are, I don't know where we are in that spectrum. But wherever we are, we need to hear what God says. And this is what God says. Stop. See. Walk in the old ways. I want you to bow your heads this morning. The Holy Spirit will give the invitation. But let me ask you to say one more time, with me. I say this for myself, I don't say it for you, but if you will, please say this with me. I will hear what the Lord will say and listen to what He will say. He will show you where you are. Father, in this invitation, speak to our hearts. Help us to be responsive. Lord, I I don't know why you put this burden in my heart, but I know you wouldn't have done it if someone did not need to hear this message today. So Lord, I pray that you will speak and may your people hear and respond.